Thank you for tuning in. We trust that you will be blessed and refreshed as you hear this message. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You're blessed this morning. I couldn't trade this for anything else, just to be here physically, to worship the Lord, to glorify Him. This is the very heart of Christianity. Isn't it true? There is no uh, Christianity without His resurrection. So I'd like us to bow our heads and pray before we get into the Word this morning. Father, we want to thank you for each and every person that's here listening to this message, whether in person or online. May your Holy Spirit touch us, Lord. May we have a touch of heaven this morning. May we truly experience what it means to live in the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you will minister to us. Open up our hearts, Lord. Give us faith to believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just for the next two Sundays, we'll be online because of all the news you keep hearing. And then after, probably we'll come back again. You know, year after year, Sunday after Sunday, we gather and we worship because we believe and know in our heart, Jesus is alive. Isn't that true? That's the purpose of why we come together and worship. The resurrection of Jesus is not only a biblical fact, but it's also a historical fact, which no one can dispute. The abbreviation of AD comes from a Latin phrase, Anno Domini, meaning in the year of our Lord. That's the meaning, and you can check it out. The abbreviation BC stands for before Christ. So whenever we want to communicate something to the world, we will broadcast it on the television. But when God does something and wants to communicate his message to the world, he broadcasts it in the skies. Okay, here's some examples for you. Watch for the signs in the sky. When it came to Jesus' birth, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, along with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, hosts means an army of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Where was it? In the sky. You know, it was the star that led the wise men to where Jesus was born. Now, when we, Jesus was crucified, there was another sign in the sky. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, it says, From the sixth hour, that's the noon, there was darkness over the entire land, over the world, until the ninth hour, three o'clock. That's Bible. You see, the, the creation itself bore witness to something that was happening in the spiritual realm concerning Jesus. So at his death, the day, that moment he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There was darkness in this entire world. Therefore, the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection 
was so significant that the BC and the AD dating system became the dividing point for world history. Till today, it's in our history books. And now when Jesus returns, he will make his appearance again in the sky. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 27, For just like the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so the coming of, of the Son of Man will be. And so there's going to be an obvious manifestations in the skies like lightning. I remember, I remember as a little child, I would sit near the window and I'll watch the lightning flash across the skies and light up everything. Have you, were you fascinated? Fascinated how? And we used to say, God is taking a picture. So flash, you know, he's flashing the, his camera. But you see, you know, you can't miss a lightning. You can't miss the son of Jesus coming back again. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. This is what the Bible says. I looked and we opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth, sign in the sky. And the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave man, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains, they lost it. They started talking to the mountains and the rocks saying, fall on us, hide on us for the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. The brilliance, the magnitude of Jesus' return will be so captivating, so powerful that those who do not know Jesus will suddenly be in a, in a fix, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go. They will t talk to the mountains, fall on us, hide us. Kill us when we face the wrath of God. So this is not just historical fact. It, it is also biblical fact of what will happen. This is the only prophetic word in the Bible that we are all waiting for. The rest of it has come to pass. There is a real tomb in Jerusalem. We had the privilege of going there, standing in that place, seeing where Jesus was, was buried and lain, and we gathered around the few friends that we were, and we worshiped the Lord and we broke bread. There's an awesome sense of God's presence in that place. People, tourists who come to that place will not talk. You will see many weeping at the tomb because there's something tangible that is experienced around that tomb. It's real. When the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven, there was an angel that stood beside them and said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 9. Now when he, Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine? Jesus is dialoguing with them and in that conversation, He's taken up in the cloud. 
And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and also said, Men of Galilee, these were angels, men of Galilee, why are you standing gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. His coming, his return is for certain. He went on Mount Olives, he will return on Mount Olives. And that's the prophetic picture that we get concerning our day and our time, and that's in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. The gospel is not only the good news of Jesus is risen, but the same Jesus will return again. That's the good news. He's not just risen, but he's coming back again. When the early church said Jesus is Lord, it meant that Jesus not only was resurrected from the dead, but he was exalted and given a name which is above every other name. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. God exalted Jesus, gave him a name which is above every other name. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So when Christians celebrate the death of Jesus more than his resurrection, they're missing out on the power of God. The power of God is demonstrated not in his death, but in his resurrection. The fact is that he not only rose from the dead, he is he's still alive and he's at the right hand of the Father, exalted. Have you noticed? Every religion in the world always focuses on worshiping the dead. So if you know that you're caught in a trap of religion, see where the object of your worship lies. Is it in the dead or is it in the person who's alive? And every religion looks to the dead Someone in the day, uh, in the past, died, wrote something, and they're focused on what a dead man has written. Christianity is about a person who's alive. He died for you and me. He stood as our substitute. He is risen, and he is still alive. This cross on this wall is about what Jesus did, and not where he is. And that's why when someone comes, on, comes into this place and they look, at, look around and sing, where, where, no, no Jesus in this place. And one person, you know, from the government came, says, no Jesus in this place. What to tell him? Jesus is all over. This is a reminder of what he did for you and me. God chose to demonstrate his power to the world by resurrecting a man called Jesus who was brutally beaten, left hanging on the cross with absolutely no chance of living. They put him in a tomb and the Roman soldiers stood guard to protect the tomb so that nobody would steal the body. And in that impossible moment, God had performed a miracle and he turned that grave 
into a place of glory. Are you listening to me? He turned a grave into a place of glory. And that's the title of my message this morning. Because the resurrection message is a message of hope. And I trust, even as you listen to this message, you will have faith to believe God for the impossible in your life. When I was meditating on the scriptures, I noticed that when you think of a grave or when people go to a grave, you're actually staring at a, at a place or at a person where there is no return. Am I right? You look at a grave, it's a place of no return. You look at a grave, there's no hope, there's no future. All that the grave does, it reminds you of the past. And today, if you're in that place where you've gone too far in your relationships, compromised your ethics, compromised morally, you've been, you compromised financially, and you've gone too far, and you wonder whether there is hope for me, the answer is you're in a grave situation and God can turn your grave into a place of glory. If you're in a place of hopelessness, no more hope, you lost all hope. You lost your job, you lost your finances, you lost everything that you could possibly, possibly have. You have no hope. Remember, there is a place that you can go come to, and that is Jesus. In that hopeless moment, he can turn that grave into a place of glory. If you're living your Christian life and all you're thinking of is your past and you're stuck in the past of who said what and what the other people did and past mistakes, past failures, look, you're looking at a grave. And I believe that we who know Jesus must not be trapped in situations like this, in a place of no return, in a place where there is no hope, where, there is a where you're in a place where you're stuck in the past. Everything about Christianity, everything about our lives is about the future and the hope that God gives us. Can somebody shout an amen? We live today with the hope of, of the future. When a man has, and a, or a woman does not have hope, he's not living. He's just existing. The very essence of why we wake up morning after morning, the reason of why we worship, because there's hope in our heart, and when there's hope, there is faith to believe God that he could do the impossible. And I want you to trust God that he can do the impossible in whatever situation you are. Health, finances, life, future, he can do the impossible. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in many people's lives. You know, we go through hardships, and all of us go through hardships. Difficulty, obstacles are inevitable in our lives. Even the Apostle Paul faced situations in his life where he almost despaired of life. I'm reading from the Amplified Version in 2 Corinthians 1.9. And this is what he said. Indeed, we felt within ourselves, within us, he's talking about the apostles, that we have received the sentence of death. 
But that was to keep us from trusting in ourselves and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. Let me break that up for you this morning. What is he saying? He's saying we felt within ourselves the sentence of death. That means hopelessness. Another translation says despair of life. Despair of life means can't go on. Lost the joy of living. Lost the hope of living. Are you in that place this morning? What is it that's dead in your life? What is it that's causing you to look at life with the lens, through the lens of hopelessness? I have good news for you this morning. That every hardship, every crisis, every impossible moment of our lives, there is only one message for us to learn. How many messages? For that one, to learn that one message, one Sunday is not enough. It's a simple message, but it takes a lifetime for us to learn. And this is the message, that when we face impossible situations, something that we cannot come out of us uh, from, from with, uh, of ourselves, it says this, this happens to keep us from trusting in ourselves, trusting and depending on ourselves instead of God. <laughs> you know, uh, hardships and trials are God's tools to shape us. You probably heard me saying this, you know, just the project of buying FMC. And, uh, only I know how much I died this year. It's true. And whenever you have an obstacle, whenever you have a challenge, there is that sentence of death in your heart. And I'm not talking about killing myself. I'm not talking about death of despair of living. There is a death which says, it is hopeless if God does not step on the scene. Can somebody shout an amen? And that's the message that God wants to bring to us. He takes his people through a journey of hopelessness for them to gain their hope in God. Did you hear what I said? He takes his people or he allows us, his people to go through a stage of hopelessness so they learn the most valuable lesson to put their hope in God. The more you hope in your ability, your wisdom, your, your, your friends, your finances, you're going to hit a place of desperation. One day all of that will pass. One day all of that will fail you and you'll be brought to your knees. So that you can learn what the Apostle Paul said. We carry the sentence of death in our heart so that we may learn what it is to what it is not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know, these are precious verses for me. These are foundational verses in my heart, in my life. And I like the last part. 
We put our faith in God who raises the dead. That means every time you look at what God did for Jesus, raised him from an impossible situation, took him from a place of shame to a place of glory. The empty tomb is a message to the world. He is alive. He turned a grave into a place of glory. He took a cross which is demeaning and associated to, with criminals. He took a cross and turned it into a, a, a symbol of glory and hope. That is the essence of our Christian life. Why do you think Jesus was born in a manger and not in a palace? Because he wants to show you and me that even in a manger, in a place where there are cows and messes, he can turn it around with a message of hope that can reach the world. Are you with me this morning? If you have a dead situation in, in your life, you're sitting in the right place listening to the right message. It's time for resurrection. Oh, by the way, how many of us like to experience the resurrection power of God? Put your hand up, please. Let me see. I can't see. Only if you okay, Can I see that little, uh, little, little, little more? Yeah, those on top. Okay, 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 okay. You know what? Unless you die, you cannot be resurrected. Can I hear an amen? You know, we are funny Christians. We want God to resurrect something that's already alive. You don't need resurrection. You're alive. You're alive and kicking with your own ability, your own wisdom, your own strength, and running around like cats. And you're saying, Lord, I want the power. I want the resurrection to hit me. You can't. You have to die for the resurrection power to hit you. Because God is not in the business of resurrecting things that are alive. He's in the business of resurrecting things that are dead. You and I were once dead, but thank God he stepped into my life and your life, and he quickened our spirit, and he made us alive together with him. This same apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, Christ, and the power of his resurrection. Some of us are satisfied with knowing Jesus. And I'm amazed that at some of the people that I talked to, I, I, I did this little bit of small survey, just asked a few Christians around. What happens when you break bread? And this lady who would sit uh, close to me, I would see her crying during breaking of bread. She's not here, she's abroad. And I was so moved of how touched she is when she breaks bread. So I asked her, what do you think when you break bread? I think, Jesus, don't die, don't die, don't die, Jesus. How sad, Jesus, you're dying. And then he dies and I cry. And I thought to myself, I feel like crying right now. 
and I'm wondering how many times Christians are so focused on the death of Jesus and you send them to feel sorry for Jesus, not knowing he's feeling sorry for you. And I want you to know again and again and again, you must not look at a cross where you have a person hanging because that Jesus is not there anymore. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus is right here with us in spirit. He's alive. We must move from the cross to the throne. We must move our journey with God. We meet with Christ. We meet with God at the cross, and he takes us to the throne. Come with me. I'll show you what I mean. Before we came to Christ, our life was like a grave, empty and without purpose. But this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. All of us. No matter how saintly you look this morning. We all indulged in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the lust, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. All wicked thoughts fulfill that also. And by very nature, our nature itself, we were children of wrath, just as the others. Everyone sinned, everyone did wicked things, we did it. That was our situation. But this is what God did in Ephesians 2, 4, 6, but God. Can you all say that, but God? Can you do that a little loudly? But God. You are dead in sin. You are in a dead situation. You've lost all hope. You have no sight of future. You're looking at a grave situation. You got the message. Who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Where are you? Together with Christ. What is God saying? We were dead. We were hopeless. We were drifting. None of us were seeking after God. Maybe one or two were serious people seeking after God. We all ran away from God. But God, rich in mercy, great in love, caused us to be alive together with Christ. You know, my first title that I had for this morning is, You Are Resurrected. Who is resurrected? I didn't hear you. Tell someone next to you, I'm resurrected. You know, we know Christ is resurrected. Are you? Are you resurrected? Are you resurrected? The Christian life is about our resurrection too. Because what happened to Jesus happened to us. We were dead in our spirit, our human spirit. He made us alive together with Christ. Spiritually, God, Christ, and you are linked together. Spiritually, there is a bonding. There is a communication between us and God. Because our spirit is made alive. It isn't in there. It says, by grace you were saved. And he raised us up together. 
If you're making notes, you have a Bible, underline those words together. He not only made you alive, but he raised you up. You believe that? He raised you up together and made us sit together. So where is Christ? Christ and you are together. How many of you are married here? Your husband and wife look at each other. You all are together. But you know what? My wife is sitting there. I'm sitting here. If she was sitting in Timbuktu, we're still together. Why? Because our spirit is together. And that's the same with Jesus. We may not be physically sitting together, but spiritually, we are connected together. There's a relationship. He's the bridegroom, and we are the bride. There's a connection. We are raised together. We're seated together. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made us alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. You know, Jesus didn't come to put people down. He came to lift them up. And everything we read in the Bible is an uplifting message. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. He didn't come to put people down. He came to lift people up. It's a message of hope. I only wish the world knows that this Jesus died for them too. This Jesus has forgiven the world of its sin. All our wickedness, all our rebellion. Jesus, when he died on that cross, cross <coughs> forgave the world. He is the lamb that forgives the sin of the world. But if we have to experience the power of his resurrection, all we got to do is believe. What we need to do? What we need to do? First one, we need to believe that God loves you. We need to believe that, that even when we are unlovable, God loves you. Even when we did things that displeased us and others and God, God still loves you. There is something I've discovered about God. God does not choose to love one and not to love the other. God is love, and therefore, he's lo he loves everybody. Unlike you and me, we are fallen short of the nature and the glory of God. For us to be loving, we have to decide and then become loving. For God, it is who he is. And because he, he is loving, we, we will always receive or be the recipients of his love. And we need to be sure that God loves us. We need to believe that in our heart. We need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven. Just believe it. He stood in our place as human beings, died on the cross, took our punishment for our sin, took our guilt so that we can be forgiven 
And then we need to believe that Jesus rose up from the dead and that he is Lord and he's, he's exalted. If we can believe those three things, God loves me, Jesus died for me, Jesus rose up from the grave so that I can be alive with him, my sins can be forgiven, the bondage of sin can be broken. That's the gospel message, and then it ends with a grand finale. This same Jesus will come back again to take you and me. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 puts it in a pictorial form. Jesus is saying, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. What is Jesus trying to communicate? He's looking for relationship. He's not an impersonal God. He's a God that gets very personal. He gets into everything of your life. It's very personal. He wants to have a relationship with us. And that's why we talk to God. That's why we can hear his voice. That's why we worship him, because it's personal. He is our personal savior. Yes, he died for the world, but we have a personal relationship with him. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, everyone who believes. If, you're not, if you have not experienced the power of God, if you don't know what it is to be alive in your spirit, there is nothing that touches your heart. Intellectually, you may believe, okay, Jesus is there, Christianity, and you, you're just one of the crowds that keep coming and keep come, going. But if you don't have that conviction, that experience on the inside, that, that faith that God is alive, to this morning can be that morning where you can know Jesus. He can be your personal savior. You can experience the transforming power of God right there in your spirit. There is a peace, there is an assurance that we have our sins are forgiven. This salvation is a free gift. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of our sons, it's a gift of God. God freely gives us salvation. Someone said this, salvation is free but not cheap. There's a difference. And so we have the privilege and the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins. Not based on our works, not based on whether we were good or not, deserving or not. Because of God's goodness, we can receive his gift of salvation knowing our sins are forgiven, have a relationship with God, and have the certainty of eternity. For those of us who have been Christians, for those of us who have lived the Christian life, and you want to take it a notch further, in living in the resurrection power of Christ, two simple things that the Bible encourages us to do in Colossians 3, 1 to 2. If you were raised with Christ, he's talking to those who are believers in Christ. If you raised, if you really believe that you're alive and raised with Christ, two things you need to do, seek the things about. You know, when people have a taste of God's goodness, you know you're alive. You know Christ is in, is in you. 
His spirit is in you. And you set your mind on things of the earth. You're forfeiting the resurrected life that God offers you. And that says, if you were raised from the dead, if that's your experience, if that's a reality, seek those things above. What are those things above? It's God's kingdom. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's righteousness. Seeking those things above. And then the next thing it says, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. That means you look, set, seek those things above, you set your mind on things above, and you say, God, I'm not going to let my carnal mind talk me out of what you have in store for me. Our greatest challenge for those who are believers is not the devil. Isn't that good news? The devil must be complaining that he's being blamed for the things he never did. Our biggest challenge, our biggest enemy is our carnal thinking. When you don't seek those things about and set your minds on things about, you forfeit the miracle, you forfeit the resurrection life, what God wants to give you and me. And that's the death we go through. We die to ourselves, we die to our ability, our wisdom, our knowledge, and we seek those things about and we set our minds on things about and saying, God, you are a God who raises the dead. Are you blessed this morning? I'd like us to stand as the worship team comes. I want to pray for those who never know Christ, never know, have never experienced the power of God, that God will touch you wherever you are, in your home or in this place. The Holy Spirit can revive you and make you alive together with Him. And I feel God's not yet done with some of us. And I, you know, the reason why we have these ongoing struggles because it's hard to die. Am I right? It's very hard to die. We want to hold on to life, but we don't realize in that we experience resurrection. Okay? And I feel, why don't we come to that place this morning and say, God, I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of putting myself effort. Today, I carry the sentence of death that in myself, in my wisdom, I cannot do it. How many of you are with me here this morning? You'd like to talk to the Lord and say, God, I'm tired. I cannot. Today, I give up, Lord. I am dead. I've come to the end. I need your resurrection power to touch me and bring life. Come talk to the Lord this morning. Talk to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to face death only with the hope that you will resurrect me. All your tricks will not work. All your tricks will only make you alive and push the power of his resurrection further away. Lord, I'm willing to come to the end of all my striving. End of all my logic, my reasoning. And in that area of my life, I'm good as gone if you do not resurrect me. I'm good as gone if you don't step on that scene and turn it around for your glory. Jesus could not have raised himself from the grave. It took God to raise him up from the grave. Today you're in a place you can't lift yourself up by yourself.
you need an intervention of God to raise you from the dead. And Father, I pray that everyone who's staring at the impossible this morning, that they will look at the impossible in the eyes of what they cannot do and then lift their ranks to a God who can make it possible. Father, I believe you. Jesus, this is your message to the world that you came to turn empty, impossible lives into your glory. And I'm asking you for miracles this morning. Miracles for people, Lord, who have come to that place of having the sentence of death, can't figure out a way of escape, cannot come out of the grave themselves, will lie there in rest, knowing and waiting for that God moment to resurrect them, Lord. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, give us that grace that when we are dead in ourselves, we will grow in relying on you and depending on you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this moment that there will be many testimonies as we journey with you in this area of our life. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to take a few more minutes this morning. Those who do not know Jesus, you've come because it's Resurrection Sunday, but you have no, no relationship, never experienced the love of God, do not know what it is to have your sins forgiven. I would like you to bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning and say these simple words after me. Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you loved me even when I was hostile and away from you because your love is unchanging. I believe that because you love me, you hung on that cross not for yourself but for me for my sins to be forgiven. I believe that this morning. I believe that you are in your mercy you have forgiven me. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. I repent for all the wrongdoings I've done. I repent for rebelling against you, Lord. And I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me and deliver me from the bondage of sin, Lord. Make that your prayer. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into my life. Quicken my spirit this morning. That I may know you as Lord and Savior. Ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life. His spirit will come into your life. Lifting up that burden. As you begin to trust him and say, Lord, I confess you are the Lord over my life. Say those words. Jesus, you're the Lord over my life. And you're my savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for those who said that prayer. And God, your Holy Spirit will quicken their hearts. That they, that they will be 
a new creation, Lord, and something new will happen on the inside. There will be the joy and the lightness in their spirit, Lord, as they live this life knowing that you have forgiven them and they are loved. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So those of you who do not know Christ, you're struggling, please get in touch with me, touch with one of our eldership team, and they will help you in this journey because we want everyone to experience what it means to live a victorious Christian life. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. And may you enjoy the rest of the day and live the resurrection life. God bless. Tune in for a new message next week. To know more, visit us at www.adonichurch.in.